Welcome to the Risk and Repeat Podcast, episode number 192. I'm Rob Wright, Security News Director at Tech Target, and I am here with security news writer Alex Kalafi. Alex, welcome. Thanks, Rob. How are you? I'm good. Welcome back. You've you've had a little time off. Mm-hmm. Um, you 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 were out last week. You missed some some big news, um, a few things, but uh, I'm speaking specifically about the Joe Sullivan uh, conviction. Sullivan, the former Uber CISO, who was convicted of a couple of pretty serious felonies. And uh, we're here to discuss that because there is a lot to discuss with this, this whole sort of scandal, for lack of a better word, but specifically his Joe Sullivan's conviction. Um, it is being talked about by a lot of folks in InfoSec to varying degrees with varying sort of um, perspectives about the ultimate verdict in this case, but is a, a major moment for the InfoSec industry in terms of the legal and ethical responsibilities of executives, CISOs, um, security professionals, and you know what are they going to do moving forward if they know they can go to jail for something like what happened at Uber. So yeah. we are going to get into it. Um, and the, this, the very broad strokes for anyone that doesn't know this, and we'll get into a timeline of events in a little bit, for anyone that does not know what is going on or what happened with this case and the Uber uh, Uber cover up, uh, there was a 2014 breach at Uber, uh, pretty serious. Lots of user data was uh, obtained from, I believe, an Amazon S3 bucket. The following year, they hired Joe Sullivan, former Facebook CISO, as their CSO. Uh, Joe Sullivan starts in 2015, and then the following year, amid an FTC investigation from the 2014 breach, Uber was breached again in a very similar manner. Uh, A couple of hackers got into an Amazon S3 bucket for Uber and stole, I think it was something 50 million plus uh, uh, data on 50 million, more than 50 million uh, users. Uh, also some driver uh, information as well. And it was pretty bad. We didn't know about it because, well, Uber never made it public. And it wasn't until I believe 2017, there was a Bloomberg story that revealed that the incoming uh, CEO at Uber, who replaced former CEO Travis Kalanick, uh, that they had found out about this uh, event and found out that it had apparently been covered up and they fired Sullivan and a number, another member of his team on the security team, uh, Craig Clark. And um, yeah, it, it was a big, huge mess. And I guess my first question for you, Alex, were you surprised by the verdict? Kind of, but for a weird reason. No, go ahead. Weird is um, we, we 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 invite weird. Okay, so you've been on this beat for several years, more yes. probably about let's say two and a half times as long as I have been, roughly. Right? I'm not, I'm not great. With, I'm not great with math, but let's go with it. 
Okay. So for you, seven or eight years on this beat for me, about three, right? Sure. At tech okay. Yeah. Yes. Yes. So my first interaction with Joe Sullivan was this past winter mm-hmm. when uh, we were doing a bunch of stories on log four shell, log forge, log four J, whatever you want to call it. The big vulnerability mm-hmm. uh, that sort of impacted the Java logging framework. And so uh, I was offered in a PR pitch uh, the chance to talk with um, Cloudflare sort of security chief, Joe Sullivan. Mm -hmm. And at first I was like, well, what's the difference between this guy and any other guy? But you told me to take the call. And I'm like, why, Rob? And then you sent me a link to this Uber article. And so uh, I, I got the chance to talk with him over the phone not uh, not one year ago sure, sure yeah <laughs> which which and it was a perfectly pleasant conversation obviously we didn't talk about any uber stuff not that he yeah. would have not that anyone would have let us but it it's just surprising to me that he got convicted because it is a person i had this semi recent real life interaction with yeah but in terms of am i surprised uh that he got convicted with everything we know slightly Mm. slightly not not a ton but slightly because i think it's kind of messy like the whole story um which we'll get into Mm. and uh how evil or malicious or uh ignorant was it what he actually was what he actually did Mm -hmm. and CISOs who said they might do the same thing in other and if they were in his shoes um and then you have to go into his history of, of being a major security figure for 20 years. Yep. Uh, and then you have to go into actually reading the exchanges. And it's not as clear cut as a traditional ransomware extortion. And uh, it's tough. And, but it's because it's tough for me that I'm like, I'm actually a little surprised that he got convicted. But yeah, but that that's my sort of take. What's your take? Well, my, my take was, and I, I think I may have tweeted this when I first, um, when I first heard the news on Twitter was that I, I, I really fully expected this outcome. Okay. And I, I'll get into why, but, um, I expected it. And yet part of me was still a little surprised that this had happened. And, um, this guy worked as CSO of Facebook. Uh, he has a, a long track record as a, uh, respected and, um, um, well-regarded security professional in the industry. And before that he was himself a federal prosecutor and ironically for a couple of years, the same district in, uh, Northern California that he was ultimately convicted in. Mm-hmm. So this is a guy who is, you know, I hate to use the term one of the best and brightest, but certainly, you know, uh, not just some random CISO that was, you know, in over his head and maybe didn't, you know, didn't know what he was doing or whatever. A a person Um, of prestige and experience. Very much so. Very much so. Um, and it's no, it's no surprise that a lot of other security professionals, CISOs, um, just just 
you know, all walks of life in the tech industry really have, you know, said that they were surprised by this, that they were shocked, that they felt like, you know, they couldn't believe it, or they felt like it was the wrong verdict, or they felt like he was being unfairly singled out. We'll get to all that later. But his background is important because, like I said, it's not just some random guy. This is a, this is a guy who is up there with some of the biggest names in uh, infosec, and it it still I still expected this to happen though because I I I covered uh, cops crime courtroom beats um, years ago as a daily newspaper reporter as a as just a newspaper reporter in general for about three years and. Um, I, I, you know, one thing I learned pretty early on was in federal cases with, with federal prosecutors, DOJ, they almost always plead out. And the ones that do the conviction rate of federal prosecutors that do go to trial, uh, the defendants that do go to trial, the conviction rate is like, I mean, these guys nearly bat a thousand. Mm -hmm. So if the federal prosecutors in this case were charging one of their own, and going to trial with it, I fully expected him to to come out on the losing end to be convicted. Got it. Now, I say that, and I was still when I saw the tweets come out Wednesday evening because, and we should note we're recording this on Thursday, October thirteenth, and I believe the the verdict came in Wednesday, last Wednesday. So that would have been October fifth. Or sixth, whatever. Uh, I I was still a little surprised because I I just I don't know. It, it, this seemed like such a like you said, it's a messy affair. Um, mm-hmm. And I thought there was a chance. There was a chance in some of these infosec cases. You never know. Juries, it might not be clear what's going on. This is stuff that is over the head of a lot of people. It's a new area. CISOs haven't been around that long. We don't really have a clear idea of always of what their responsibilities are, the disclosure laws, et cetera, et cetera. And this, all that stuff is very up and down, messy. Um, so there was a little part of me that was surprised. Uh, that said, I, I, I think that for the people that were like, oh my God, I can't believe that this happened. I, I think... Listen, I mean, federal prosecutors, they just, it's rare, 1% maybe end in acquittals when they go to trial. So I I don't think people should have been that shocked. And we should know just a quick timeline of events here to sort of, before we get into, you know, was this the right verdict or was this the right call? So I I noted he was, he joined in, I think it was the spring of 2015. And during that time, I think it was it was shortly it was the following year in 2016. He, he Sullivan provided sworn testimony to the FTC regarding the investigation into the 2014 breach, which he wasn't even around for. We should note that he was not around for the 2014 breach. He had nothing to do with it, and he testified about Uber's, you know, AWS services their their usage. S3 storage buckets, what they were doing to ensure data privacy and protect information and encrypt it, you know, customer information, all that stuff, customer data protection. Well, 
10 days after he testifies in November of 2016, he gets a email from an anonymous person through a Proton Mail account saying that they exploited a major vulnerability and obtained access to an Uber database. And yes, you guessed it, another S3 bucket. They investigate. They find out that the attackers got, I guess, a stolen, uh, stolen credentials from GitHub that were left there uh, accidentally. Uh, two hackers, apparently, I, I believe that this is in the DOJ complaint, but they apparently paid for those credentials or got those credentials through someone else on the dark web, used those credentials to get into the repository, downloaded the data. Um, and then Sullivan goes to former CEO, Travis Kalanick, says, got a sensitive matter, matter. Uh, according to text messages, and apparently sends him a text message saying that he can treat this breach as, quote unquote, a bug bounty situation. They use HackerOne's bug bounty program. They authorize 100,000 Uber, not HackerOne. Uh, they authorize a $100,000 payment to the two hackers behind it. They eventually uh, find... Uber investigates these these two hackers who tried to remain anonymous. They find out who they are. They go to them. They find out their real identities. They make them sign NDA saying, do not disclose this incident. Uh, the, the hackers agree to destroy the data. And then Uber sends, uh, I believe in 2017, a letter to the FTC saying, you know, we'd like to close this investigation into the 2014 breach. Never say anything about the 2016 breach. Never, they never say, "Hey, we got hacked again." And basically, the exact same manner as 2014. We're sorry. None of that. None of the information comes out. Kalanick steps down later that year in 2017. I think in August of that year, Uber and FTC, the FTC, agree to a proposed settlement. Basically saying, you know, like, hey, we'll correct our practices. We'll stop misrepresenting our data security practices. We'll undergo some third-party assessments, et cetera, et cetera. Uber names uh, a new CEO and Kazra Shahi was named, Derek Kazra Shahi was named in August of 2017. So the following month, Sullivan is brought in to brief him on the 2016 breach. Um and for whatever reason, uh, according to court documents, Sullivan allegedly omits key details about that incident, just sort of framing it as, I, I guess, you know, a minor vulnerability bug bounty situation. But then a couple of months later in November 2017, Kazra Shah, he put, puts out a public, you know, statement, uh, open letter saying, we were breached in 2016. We apologize for not disclosing it. On the same day, Bloomberg reports that Sullivan and Craig Clark, another member of his team, were fired for concealing the breach and paying off the hackers. Uh, later in 2018, the FTC withdraws the settlement proposal that they had struck with Uber over the 2014 breach because obviously they found out about the concealment of the 2016 breach. Uh, Cloudflare hires Sullivan as... Uh, it's CSO. And then I believe in the summer, they in indicted the two hackers who were behind the Uber breach because they had gotten nabbed for a completely different breach 
uh, involving a LinkedIn subsidiary, a LinkedIn acquisition. Uh, and these two guys had done the same thing and gotten convicted and they basically spilled their guts. Um, and then the FT, you know, there's a bunch of other things that go on with Uber. They had to settle some lawsuits with all 50 states, attorney generals, 50 states and District of Columbia. They had to approve of a new settlement with a revised settlement with um, the FTC. Uh, and then Sullivan was charged in 2020, uh, the summer of 2020, with one count of obstruction of justice and one count of misprison of a felony, which is basically the concealment of a crime, the concealment of a felony. And then we had the trial start last month, and he was convicted last week. So a lot going on there, but... Uh, yes. Alex. Yes. You've read a lot about this, and we, we will get into the specific things that have come out about this case along the way. Um, Post-conviction, there's been a lot of talk, like I said, about people that felt like Sullivan was singled out unfairly, that he was sort of smeared or unfairly shouldering the blame for something that was looked like it was not just limited to him. Obviously, Craig Clark was involved. But we should note that former Uber CEO... Travis Glanick was not charged with any crimes. He was, according to court documents, reportedly in the loop on some level about what was going on here. He did not, I don't believe he testified at trial. He was never called as a witness. Um, I don't believe so. So what do we what do we think of that? Do we think that there's some legitimacy to the claim that he was unfairly targeted? Or singled out. Um, well, I think it just. Bec I think it kind of makes sense the way everything played out, mm. and that he's convicted, and that he's put to blame. Although I'm just some guy who's not on the inside, so <laughs> right, what do I right. know, right? But yeah. just from what I do know, um, I think it's just slightly messy thing put on slightly messy thing. And and what I mean by that is, okay, so uh, the idea that Joe Sullivan um was approached by these hackers who um were uh they had found a vulnerability and they were extorting him so he sneaks around and is like "Ooh, here's how uber can't get in trouble is yeah. that uh is we'll just make it a bug bounty and then no one has to pay attention to our uh to like our big mistake having this big right. vulnerability right and that's not what happened per se right. Right. Um, now, I'm not saying these two people did not extort Uber. If it wasn't an extortion, it felt like it was 80% of the way there. Yeah. To be honest. Yeah. Um, but if you read the emails, which are publicly accessible, it also doesn't read like a ransomware threat actor either. Yes. Like the, the emails tones are like probably they feel cordial and not mm. like maybe nervous cordial, but they, they don't feel panicked in, in the same way that a lot of the ransomware negotiations we've seen over the years are. Yes. Which yes. I'm not. And it seems like they were in some way extorting them how they expected a hundred K, but that part's messy, right? <sighs> Which means that it's not as clear cut as Joe Sullivan, just trying to trick the public, uh, 
even though there it seems like there's a little bit of that on going on because there were 50 million uh personal details stolen so it's messy i'm not saying it's wrong how everything turned out but it's messier than i thought it was and then you have the new york times reporter what's her name again nicole perloff yep uh, uh for, former new york times reporter I, former I she's yeah yeah who so covered it and, and she had a thread that you sent to me where she was saying like hey this this new new york times story which is covering this is good but they're missing some context namely that she was under the impression that um uber pr had uh basically a mission to pin everything on joe sullivan uh and um, Travis sort of by extension, mm-hmm. um, that, uh, Uber, that Uber, uh, spokespeople tried to get her fired, <sighs> which I mean, it's, which I mean, I believe, but you kind of, yeah. in this sort of journal, we have to say she said that this happened, right? Yeah. Um, and then you have the fact that that's kind of exactly what happened. Right. No, or just it's the way is that it's kind of all it, on Joe it, Sullivan right. when the judge in the pretrial called attention to the fact that like, wow, they're kind of putting a lot on Joe Sullivan. Yes. Yes. <laughs> um, so I'm glad you mentioned that. I, I was struck by that as well. There, there's a great uh, courthouse news um, article on that. Uh, that uh, yeah, <laughs> just so my, it, my it's kind noteworthy. So my kind of thing is like, okay, maybe if you put all the puzzle pieces in order and look at them hard for a long time, it makes sense that Joe Sullivan is getting convicted. But at the same time, one, it feels like other people should be under the bus with him. And two, my original impression of him is some not villain, but let's say malicious guy doesn't i don't believe that's the case anymore based on what i additionally read it's it sounds like it's a really crappy situation where some bad perhaps cowardly decisions were made yeah and some people are facing accountability for it but maybe others should as well that's kind of my sort of take i i want to jump back to the some of the things that Perloff yeah. tweeted because I, I do think that that's there's a larger conversation here um, that I think it is worth getting into. But as far as as yeah, like was he singled out? I mean, it, it's it's hard it's hard not to look at this and say, okay, um, there's obviously other people that were involved here. What happened? Um, I don't know. I don't have an answer for it. I really don't. I mean, I, I think that the way I looked at this initially was, you know, maybe because of his background, because Sullivan was so experienced and not just as a CISO, but as a lawyer, that he knew he had a firm understanding of what is a hack, what is not a hack. What is a bug bounty? What is not a bug bounty? What should be divulged to the FTC during an ongoing investigation and what should not? In short, he can't he can't claim ignorance. And so maybe, maybe Kalanick 
and other people that may have been involved could. Maybe they were just going on what and, and that's and that's one of the things I think that came out during trial, I think during Craig Clark's testimony was just the way that that the security team just tried to you know handle this in a way and and get this to a point where they could um treat it as as just sort of oh it was a vulnerability disclosure now i'm not in his position and as far as like you know the the you know whether this is the right or the wrong verdict um I don't know, it, but it seems weird to me that, you know, Sullivan's defense team, they basically tried to argue that what a lot of people have argued, it's a tough decision. There's gray area. You know, the the breach, they just felt they really genuinely believed the breach wasn't something that needed to be reported to the FTC, that it didn't need public disclosure that he did his best to fix the issue, the underlying issue um, that was exposed and with access to the Amazon S3 buckets. And he retrieved the data and um, that, you know, it it's all fine and good. I I was a little surprised by that defense. I, I don't know. What, what, what are your thoughts on that? Um, uh, I I I don't know. It's at a certain point. Like I feel, I know that it is our job to weigh in and 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 whatever, especially in the context of a discussion based podcast. But at a certain point, like, do I think that there was some wrongdoing, even if it wasn't malicious? Sure. Do I also totally see what people are saying? where there are a lot of judgment calls to be made and a lot of them aren't easy. And as the security person, like you're an obvious scapegoat and a lot of this company goes on your shoulders. And like New York times was saying now, uh, people are starting to correctly ask for like managers insurance, which I didn't even know existed until today. Mm -hmm. And it's hard to, even if it's, like not a great argument it is one that i sympathize with even no thinking it's not a great argument yeah i don't know what do you think well i i I guess i was here's the thing and i i tweeted this out as well I, i haven't seen anybody say he didn't do it like sullivan he didn't do it he didn't pay off the hackers. He didn't conceal the breach. And that's where I start from. Mm-hmm. I haven't seen a single person, not a single one, say he didn't do what he was accused of. I've seen the argument from his defense team and other people that it was a gray area, that it was a tough call, that it was, you know, it was a, it was a judgment call. And, you know, he had to make it in real time and this, that, and the other thing. Okay. Listen, I know that CISOs have a hard job and I'm, I'm not, I don't mean to minimize this by saying that, by acknowledging that, but I don't think that you can feign ignorance and, and say, oh, this is, oh, oh, we can treat this as a bug bounty. We don't, we only pay 10,000 
dollars out for vulnerability disclosures, but we'll pay a hundred thousand dollars out in this case. And you're right. Those, the, those emails, did you, <laughs> the emails with the guys, you know, the, the, the proton mail addresses, they're, they're so cordial. I mean, they do read like kind of like nice corporate speak exchanges, right? Yeah. Awesome. Thanks so much for the details. This is exactly what I needed. Let me um, run it past my manager and I'll get back to you in the AM right, or something. Right, right. <laughs> but, but here's the thing. Here's the thing. You could maybe, an inexperienced CISO could maybe claim, oh, I didn't know I was being taken for a ride. Oh, I didn't know that these guys were extortion artists. Oh, I didn't know that security researchers, good faith security researchers, don't ransom data. They don't take the data and they don't say we've got it and you got to pay me for it. They don't do that. An inexperienced CISO could sit there and say, well, I didn't know. I'm just a lawyer. He's not that. You can't make that argument, not with Sullivan's background, not with his experience. You can't. I just don't, I firmly in my core do not believe that is a valid argument. You could say, Mm -hmm. hey, they put one past him, but I, I just find that so unlikely. I mean, you got to know, even if you don't know these guys have been up to no good before, but especially if you know or think that they had after, when they finally identified who these two guys were. I mean, come on. And to ask for $100,000 to destroy data, I mean, l- listen, if we're going to start trying to portray that as good faith security researcher and 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 honest executives don't know the difference, then we're in a hell of a lot of trouble. Mm-hmm. Because that that to me is clearly extortion. You don't download. I know that. We know that. When we go and we look up ransomware attacks and we go to leak sites, like we don't. I don't download the data. I, I mean, come on. So to me, that's a big sticking point. And the other thing here is, and you're right, this is, this is so sticky. So Pearl Roth said that, you know, in her, her Twitter thread that, I mean, I think she's probably right. Look, she, she has covered this. She, she has worked on a lot of big stories and I don't, I'm not, I'm not pushing back on this um, because she knows more about this than probably you or I ever will. She was tapped into this situation. She is a very well-connected and well-sourced reporter. Um, But she, I mean, she wrote some things in here that really kind of made my eyes pop. Um, You know, she she wrote in one of the tweets in that thread, but in the background, Uber's comms team put together a PR strategy that still goes down as the ugliest thing I witnessed in my 15 plus years covering Silicon Valley and InfoSec. I've covered mercenaries, APTs, ransomware, and this was still uglier. Mm -hmm. Next tweet. They took a one-sided narrative to a sympathetic reporter and cast the entire case as a cover-up hatched by Sullivan under Kalanick, Travis Kalanick. And of course, she's referring to the Bloomberg story. That's that's pretty disparaging of the Bloomberg report Mm -hmm. and the reporter. Um. Now, listen, I, I too have questions about why he's shouldering all the blame. I too 
No, I've heard countless stories about Uber's comms team and some of the stuff that I've read stuff. I mean, there've been numerous stories that have come out over the years about what they do and it's pretty bad, but I just, like I said, I haven't seen anyone say he didn't do it. He didn't pay off hackers and he did, he didn't know any better. You can't and she, she probably came as close as anybody. She said, you know, in this Twitter thread, um, at one point, I don't think it was, I don't think cover up was an ever, ever an accurate description. You know, it's, it's worth noting. It's also worth noting that there are many bug bounty reports that read similarly. Should Uber have reported this to LE law enforcement? Probably, but context is critical. Okay. But there's a lot of context here, right? Sticky, right? You use the word yourself, sticky. Because, like, I don't know if the Uber PR thing is true, but after seeing everything with the California prop stuff way back when, I don't trust Uber to act ethically. And I totally believe that they weren't acting ethically back then. That's that's my own personal aside. Yeah. I will also say that would a possible sort of way of looking at this be okay people don't disagree that he made the wrong call and and perhaps even made a call that was worthy of conviction but it's his legal defense they got to argue something and and i know and and although like what you're saying is valid of course it is it's my sort of ultimate takeaway so far, based on all the information we have, there could be more, sure. is that, you know, yeah, sure, this conviction is probably valid, um, and yet I still find myself slightly sympathetic. I don't think he shouldn't be held accountable for it, right? and, and I hope that others would feel the same, that people in power should be held accountable for their actions, but... I still find myself a little sympathetic at the end of the day. Yeah. I mean, it, it's it's hard not to knowing like it, 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 all things being equal. If this was a different company with different circumstances, maybe you wouldn't feel that way, or maybe I wouldn't even feel that way because I I do. I mean, I'm I'm like, why is he going down for all of this on his own? Mm-hmm. Um, but the fact, like you said, I mean, Kalanick had to step down because of repeated scandals and issues at that company. And, you know, if it was a different CEO and a different company name, yeah, maybe we wouldn't feel that way, but it is Uber and it was Kalanick and he doesn't appear to have been held accountable, at least in the court of law. Again, you could argue I mean, just reading the the criminal complaint and some of the court documents and the exchanges that they had, it's hard not to, it's hard to see a way that like he just didn't, he like he didn't really know what was going on, that he wasn't sure of what Sullivan was telling him. It seemed like he was pretty looped in on this idea that they were going to treat this breach as a bug bounty. Um, But again, like I said before, like he may not have known that a hundred thousand dollars paid in bitcoin the bitcoin's really sticky right it was oh yeah we 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 pay we pay a hundred thousand in bitcoin all the time through hacker one no you don't (laughs) you don't 
You don't. Um, so, yeah, it, it, I think I'm with you. I do. I, I have some concerns, and I I don't. I it does feel a little weird that he's going down for this on his own, and there's no one else with him. Um, but I, I mean, just reading through those court documents and reading those exchanges and reading the way that the, the reading those text messages to Kalanick and just, and then reading the testimony from Craig Clark about how this plan was concocted and they knew exactly what they were doing. I, I think that the verdict was correct. And I'm actually sure. kind of surprised that Sullivan being a federal prosecutor previously, didn't say to himself, "Well, I got to, I got to plead this out. I've got to, I've got to try to get a deal here. I've got to do something, maybe implicate other members of the company, or I, I, I don't know. I really don't. Um, maybe he honestly felt like going to trial was the only way. But like I said, I, I don't really think much of that defense. Um, now to close this out because we've been going on a while here. Is he hireable? Is that the question after no. this point? Well, I, I, well, I don't know. I mean, look, look, look I mean, you, we, we, you bring that up and we, we, we laugh, but like, I honestly don't know. I, I, Cloudflare hired this guy after the scandal broke and they kept him mm-hmm. on after he was charged. And it, look, he is a big name. Like I said, well-respected. I understand the argument in favor of it, but you're essentially putting a guy in a position on your company who is accused of covering up a breach. So either Cloudflare felt at the time that no, he didn't do it. And all the stuff in the court documents and the complaint, which anyone can read, either that's incorrect or we think that what he did was not wrong not criminally wrong. Well, the former is pretty hard to believe and the latter does not speak well to what, uh, you know, to, to Cloudflare's perspective on this matter because you're essentially putting a guy in your company that, you know, you're okay with having covered up a previous breach. What if you have a breach? What if you have an FTC inquiry, you know? Mm-hmm. So I don't know. I, I don't know what's going to happen. I don't know what he's going to be sentenced to. And that's another huge question. What are people suggesting? I mean, you know, uh, I think that the, according to the the DOJ, um, I have to go back and look, but you know, the the felonies carry a maximum, I think, of five years in prison. Um, maximum of five years in prison for the FTC obstruction. Maximum of three years for miss prison of a felony so probably doing uh, concurrently at at worst i don't know i mean i i i find it hard to believe that they're going to throw the book at this guy but who knows yeah. i honestly don't know but uh yeah, I'm, I'm sorry i have to so something i've been thinking about yes it's such an interesting question of who hires this guy after he gets out of jail or wh- I mean, whatever they do to him if he goes sure. to jail yeah um and i was thinking about the fact that there are, let's say, individuals in other uh, industries um, who have done things far worse than Joe Sullivan, who ultimately get hired on, uh, sure. let's say, at companies and productions outside the United States. Mm-hmm. And I totally believe once you leave the bubble that is like 
US-based infosec. Yep. Do you really think he can't get a well-paying job uh, working remotely for, for some company in Tel Aviv? Like, I... <laughs> I... Or, or, like, whatever other hubs, tech hubs exist across the world. That was Alex, just, like, the main hub. Alex, I do not know what you speak of. Um... <laughs> I, mean, I, I, wa- I wonder if this ends up in the final recording. <laughs> no, it will. I'm keeping it in. Um, cool. I, I, I don't know what, I, I don't know what he'll do. I, I don't know what, I really, it wouldn't surprise me if some other company picks him up. Uh, it wouldn't surprise me if he becomes, if there is a groundswell of support for him. And that he is sort of resur- like like resurrected or reclaimed, and you know the Joe Sullivan did nothing wrong. That becomes sort of the dominant narrative, and he is back in the good graces of of the of the of the tech industry, and he he gets another job somewhere as an advisor or who knows. But that that presumes that the narrative is going to shift in his favor. I don't know that it will. I do know. And we should close on this point. So there's a lot of people out there that are really concerned about this verdict and think it's unfair. A mm-hmm. lot of people. A lot of talk on InfoSec Twitter. A lot of talk in the press. I mean, you read the New York Times article. Um, yeah, I, I read the Washington Post article uh, You know, the, uh, about his conviction and some of the people in there. I mean, um, Dave Shackelford is is a tech target contributor. He's written for us for a number of years. Great writer, great tech guy. Um, and he said something along, you know, I'm paraphrasing here, but that, you know, something like this is just going to give people um, maybe second thoughts about about being a an infosec ex, uh, executive. Um, and I, I just want to say, going back to Pearl Roth's uh, tweets here her point about like this happens a lot. Yeah. I mean, she said dozens of CISOs would have told me they would have made the exact same call he did. Dozens. That's depressing because here's the thing. This isn't just concealing a breach. This is concealing a breach from the FTC, from the federal government, from federal investigators while you're undergoing a, 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 an investigation. And and in a settlement process, you're telling me dozens of CISOs would have would have. Sit- I mean, I believe her. I'm not questioning what she's saying. I'm questioning the CISOs. Dozens of CISOs would have said, you know what? I know the FTC has asked me for any and all information about you know my security posture and my S3, you know, bucket security. But I'm just going to go ahead and like keep this to myself. Are you insane? <laughs> Are you guys high? <laughs> Like I'm, 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 I'm serious. Like I'm really genuinely surprised by that. Again, not questioning what she's reporting. I believe what she's reporting. I just, I mean, I'm like shocked. I don't know. Am I, am I wrong? Are you shocked? I, so I guess it's like, this is so far above my pay grade at this <laughs> point that I'm just like, I don't know. Maybe I, it's, I do believe that it's like a super high stress situation. I definitely am still thinking about that quote from the, um, it was either former or pre- current Caseya uh, CISO where I don't even know if, if they weighed in on um, 
this exact case, but they said like, yeah, I have fewer hairs on my head now than when I started being oh, a yeah. CISO for sure. And I do believe that balancing interests of um, your employer and your own morals and the law, I do. I agree with you that on paper, this is like, it seems really clear cut. Sure. Absolutely. But do I also like also think I couldn't even imagine what it would be like to be in that situation? Yeah. Also, like yeah. I just I I don't know. And there's so many details here that there could be details we're missing, and we could end up doing a part two to this discussion where we're both like, actually, no, we completely change our mind. We'd be in the exact same boat. Sure. Like that's how amorphous and crazy this whole thing is. Yeah. I guess I'm just I'm surprised. Like we, I we have talked about this a number of times. I think we have a serious problem with transparency in this country in regards to cybersecurity, sure. cyber attacks, breaches, whatever, what have you. I listen. You and I, we have, we have been on those leak sites, those ransomware leak sites. We have looked up, mm-hmm. you know, those those ransomware negotiation chat portals, and we've been on hatching triage. I know, we know that there are plenty of companies, plenty of public companies, which are obligated to report something like this, to disclose something like this, that have been hit with ransomware, that have had data breaches and have not disclosed it. We know company names that have showed up on those leak sites and a few days later disappear. They didn't disappear because there was a typo. They didn't disappear because there was a glitch. They disappeared because they paid the ransom. Mm-hmm. We we know that. We uh, it, Virtual certainty that a lot of these companies, again, public companies, paid the ransom and covered up these ransomware attacks and probably breaches too. In, in some cases, I'm sure the hackers got in there and took some data. But the difference here is... Yeah, you you can do that and you can maybe try to get away with it for a while. But if there was a company that had a ransomware attack and said, we're going to pay the threat actor to conceal this while they were undergoing an FTC investigation, just like Uber, then it would say, yeah, like that's a pretty important detail. That's that's context for this, That, that you were under FTC investigation, that you were in the process of hammering out a settlement with this company that had to deal with future oversight and and potential penalties for your company and you didn't disclose this that was an event that was material that was entirely relevant i mean i just like again i believe that there are probably a lot of cso's out there and executives who say they would have made the exact same call and i think that that is absolutely crazy and depressing and and if that if if there are CISOs out there and executives that are reeling from this verdict and just like oh my god I don't know what to do, well then maybe they shouldn't be in the business. Maybe they should rethink what transparency is, and maybe they should rethink, like what do you think the FTC is doing? Like the FTC has been doing this for a while. This isn't new. They investigate companies for breaches. We can argue the merits of that, whether it's right or wrong, if they're the, even the correct body that should be doing this. It's not news. This has been going on for years. 
Ask some of the hotel chains out there that have been breached repeatedly. I mean, I, I, but for these guys to be like, wow, you know, I don't think he did anything wrong. And I, I would have made the exact same call. That is just, that is unreal to me. And maybe there will be a shift in the narrative. Maybe there'll be a shift, like you said, Alex, in the facts of the case. Um, maybe we'll learn something about this that, that basically turns the whole thing on its head. Yeah. Um, I just um, have a feeling that's less likely now that we were we went through this whole trial. If they had a Hail Mary like that, they probably would have let it fly. Um, sure. You know, Sullivan's camp, Sullivan's team. But I don't know. You never know. There, yeah. There, there could be more to come. Um, but I think for now... Like you said, it's going to be interesting to see where the winds shift on this um, and what the prevailing sort of sentiment is going to be in conventional wisdom about this. You know, was was he wronged or was this the correct verdict? Um, I wonder if there'll be any RSA talks on this. So, sure. Until then, I guess. Until then, yeah. Um, well, Alex, I appreciate you jumping on with me for this long podcast recording to talk about a, the thorny issue of the Uber breach cover up and Joe Sullivan's conviction. Um, I thank you for your time and your insights. Of course. Thanks Rob. And thank you to the readers and listeners of search security and tech target editorial. I'm Rob Wright and we will see you next time.